I'll do first is let, why don't we open up just with uh, a word of prayer, and then we'll sing a hymn, and um, and then uh, we'll enter in. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as men, and we pray, Holy Spirit, for you to just come and, and touch our hearts. God, I pray you would fill us, fill us with power, fill us with anointing, Lord. Uh, Fill us to overflowing with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another's brothers that we would build each other up, edify one another, strengthen one another, and be encouraged in each other's fellowship. God, we thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you so much for Jesus. I pray this morning we as men would cling to you, Jesus, in great faith more than ever before. And uh, we just pray you be glorified. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for us. Amen. 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 Amen, brothers. Amen. Amen. Good. Well, um, just uh, by way of announcement, um, I handed out the uh, the Christ Community Church Bible reading plan for April, which continues our uh, readings in the book of Exodus. I think one of the things to note in this that I'm excited about for us guys, um, when we get to the Ten Commandments, it's just thought, just felt compelled by the Spirit just to slow us down and just anchor in one command at a time per day and just really reflect and on God's holy law and then remember Christ's fulfillment of it for us. So um, enjoy. If, if you haven't been able to dip in, feel free to pick up right where uh, we left off here. Um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, what I've found in my own Christian life is when I, when I don't have a plan, I tend to taper off, you know, and so it's so important just to kind of just be motivated by grace, but something like this can be a real tool and a real asset to just help us to become deeper men of the word um, and allow the Holy Spirit to ignite our hearts on fire through the word. Um, so enjoy. And, um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, affects me is I think I, I'm really burdened. I know John is too, just, just through the years that we become more and more strong as men of the word in Christ's community. And I just particularly want to reference a, a practical thing. Uh, the ministry, Mike, on Sunday mornings. Um, that's for you, brothers. Um, John and I, you know, we monitor that in keeping with Scripture to test words to make sure that they're in alignment with sound doctrine. But I, I have confidence, high confidence in all of you men, um, just that as you're, as you're worshiping on a Sunday morning, Listen to the Holy Spirit. I remember CJ always used to say that to us um, at Pastors College. Just the Holy Spirit, I'm listening. Meaning that the Holy Spirit will often quicken an impression from the Scriptures to your heart. Um, and, and it'll be a word, um, you know, for your care group. When you meet for care group, it'll be a word um, at times on a Sunday morning. And at, there's not a time that happens to me where I don't say, man, is this for me? Or is this of me? Or is this of God? And I kind of wrestle through that a little bit. Um, but I've, I've tried to really lean into the direction of stepping out in, in faith with that. So you might be the kind of guy that's like, I, I don't know if I'm that kind of guy. I'm not a real public speaker kind of guy. Listen, you don't need to be that at all. Um, you know, I think uh, what I'm burdened for is just our, our men in the church to be the guys coming up. You know, and uh, really leading the charge, being examples to our young men of just men of the word, and to, to our sons and to our daughters, uh, to our wives, um, just to make sure that uh, we are just just good watchmen in the church and really really digging into the Lord's word and and uh, also just, as, as Scripture talks about, having a, having a word in due season 
Um, and I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. I'm not just talking about care group, though. I think let, let this flow in care group as well and personal words, impressions you have for other guys and in, in your group, and um, but also, brothers, in your home. Let, let, let prophetic ministry and prophetic quickening of the Scriptures to your, to your sons, to your daughters, uh, to your wife, um, let it let it flow. Be 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 discerning, Lord. Do you have a word, Lord, from your word for for my daughter right now, for my son, um, as I can maybe lay hands on him and pray for him. I try to get personal time with each one of my kids. We, we just call it coffee time. We get coffee, go down in the basement, and I just try to catch up with them with the little battles they're facing. But they're not little to them, and, and just try to engage as a dad to each one of my kids and. And one of the big burdens I've got is just to pray for them at the end and just put my hand on them and pray for them and uh, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, I, was, I was actually just uh, talking with Dale recently. We were watching uh, a Duke game together, and, uh, you know, one of the things Dale will do is he tries to do just a fun memory with each one of his kids each year. I hope you don't mind me bringing that up, but it was just an example to me of, I think he recently took it, his daughter's snow, uh, snow tubing and uh, took his sons to a Sixers game and... Uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily anything real big. I think, you know, sometimes if you just, you know, pop out for breakfast at McDonald's with your kid, I mean, it's just the difference that makes. Um, yeah, Adrian, you'd like to go to McDonald's, I know. Um, but just uh, that type of investment, um, you know, is just so important. I think let's redeem the time, man, with our, our children, uh, you know, our grandchildren, and, and invest into them in the gospel um, but yeah, I, w- I don't want you guys to be shy at all about coming up to the ministry, Mike. Um, John and I are, are eager for the Lord to, to bless our congregation through each of you men. And, uh, you know, I, I get up there sometimes, and I fumble through it, and um, those are moments where you feel your de- desperate dependence on God. But that's just a practical way. But don't just think about it in terms of Sunday morning. Think about it at care group, and think about it in terms of, God, what, what do you have for me to bring as a dad to the dinner table tonight? Um, I know my, my brother-in-law, Joel, has been a real example to me just through the years. Of just He'll read a chapter of scripture at the dinner table at night. And he's actually following uh, Elizabeth Elliot's dad did that. Um, he just invested every night. Just read a chapter. And that's it. No commentary, just scripture. Um, she, she remembered it in her old age. Um, and now she's in glory. Um, so just, it, it can be the small things. Um, just that are led by the Spirit of God into the lives of our wife and our kids. It can make such a difference. Um, and so I'm really moved um, just for God to really put that mantle on us today. Um, I, I had fellowship recently with Alex Swan, and he was really moved by an insight in Genesis, and I wanted to have Alex um, come and share that at this time. So, Alex, why don't you come forward? And Josh, I want to get this on recording if I can. Um, it's already recorded. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you recording. But I, I just saw it kind of move. When, so, um, yep, it's good. But, uh, Alex, thank you. Thanks for serving as a care group leader. Thanks for serving on the worship team. Yeah. For being a, being a real pillar and a rock in our church. I love you, buddy. And, so, yeah, so share share what God's laying on your heart. Well, um, yeah. Uh, just reading through Genesis, I really, uh, the Lord just spoke just the big picture. Um, of, of God working in, in all of our lives and how in the midst of all of our, our troubles, um, God's at work and not just a little bit, but mightily. Um, so I hope I hope I can share this succinctly and, and well. I wanted to start out just in, in Hebrews 11. 
um, <clears throat> which talks about the, the, the faith heroes of the book because um, it highlights many of those in um, Genesis that have stuck out to me. Um, so it's Hebrews 11, uh, starting in um, oh, verse 1. So now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. And now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a, for as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as, as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, and by faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites, and gave directions concerning his bones. Uh, and, it, and it continues, and, and I'm uh, just for the sake of, of um, being succinct, I'm, I'm going to move to 12.1, where it really sums up where we ought to go from there and, and, and where I was most encouraged uh, reading Genesis. So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, lay us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, as I was reading through Genesis, um, like I said, I was struck just by God's work and, and these very fallen men. I was struck uh, particularly when Jacob meets Pharaoh 
And um, Pharaoh asks him, how many are the days of the years of your life? Jacob says to Pharaoh, the days of my years of, the, of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. They have not attained the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojourning. And I just think, um, I mean, Jacob wrestled with God. He, he saw him face to face and, and God blessed him. Um, and when Jacob looked back, he, he looked back and, and, and thought, man, my days have been few and evil. And I just know that our, we can come out of our weeks, come out of our days and think the same things about all that we're going through. But yet the promise was there in, in Abraham. His, his missteps with, with his wives and, and other things, or his wife, um, his infidelity with his um, wife's servant, um, all these things, but yet the promise is what Abraham is commended for, for having faith in, in, in that moment. Um, there, was a, there was a footnote um, in regard to this passage um, in Job. Um, it's, it's in 14, Job 14. It says, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me into judgment with you? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? There is not one, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you. And you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Look away from him and leave him alone. That he may enjoy like a hired hand his day. I, I, when I read that, I just thought, who can, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And we, we know, we know Jesus, Jesus has brought unclean things into cleanliness. And, and uh, I'm just going to finish with just Second Corinthians. I just, I was just reading all these scriptures, and I hope I'm not <laughs> going over what you had wanted me to share. Don't you dare apologize. But, this man is his life giving. But this is this is just stuff that I know. I know all of us face these difficulties in our weeks. I mean, I know my own difficulties in my days. And I can look back on my days and say these days are few and evil. And they're troubling. It's not, it's not even our own sin all the time that brings it. Sometimes it's the sin of others. But the Lord's at work. And Genesis gives us that picture of the Lord being at work. And I, I was just so encouraged reading it because these guys are so fallen. Every single one of them had sins that, that might be greater than our own in certain ways. I mean, not that any, you know, you know the relativity of sin, not that any sin, every sin is grievous against God, but these sins are like ones that would be scandalous, you know, and, um, but, but God was at work in it. So I'm just going to finish in Second Corinthians 5, which I think is just where our hope lies. Um, gonna, I'm going to start in 11. And, and read through, uh, through through chapter 6. Not the whole way through. Um, Therefore, knowing the fear of God, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. 
We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about our outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For we are beside ourselves. It is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, but we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Lord, I just, I just pray. I just pray, Lord, that where we're at, as we, as we look back on our troubles, Father, we would not stop there, but we would look to you, Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, and I pray that no matter what our trouble is, Lord, we would remember that now is the day. Lord, now is the time of salvation. So let us call on you in this day, Lord Jesus, and trust and have faith, Lord, that you are there with us and will redeem even this moment. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Brothers, can we thank God for Alex? Great. Uh, before I begin, I just want to just give a little shout out to my son Blair, who's here at his first men's breakfast, and that's been a real highlight for me this morning, setting this up together with him. And so he was very excited to go into New York Bagelry and smell the aroma in there as well. So um, it was great. Uh, Genesis 32, guys. Let's let's turn to Genesis 32 and. Setting this up by way of uh, just sort of our 40 days of prayer initiative for faith, family, and friends. Uh, the Holy Spirit really laid this burden um, on my heart. I talked with John about it, and he was just like, yeah, CB, let's, let's do it. Even though it's, we're turning it around in a couple weeks' notice, I, I, know, I know our guys are always up for a good breakfast. And, and uh, I think this is going to be a, a time for us to really uh, engage with the Lord. Um, I entitled this message, um, Every Christian Man's Story. Uh, because I think that in, in Jacob's story, um, we really have uh, in this awesome passage in, in, in Genesis 32, 22 to 32. I, I don't know about you guys, but this, this passage has always just fascinated me just as I've read through it in my devotional times, you know, throughout my, my Christian life. And uh, there's been mystery, an element of mystery to it. I hope that the Holy Spirit will give us insight together as we study it this morning and it will also really fuel 
a real fresh zeal in all of us by the power of the Spirit um, as, as Christian men. And so every Christian man's story. Let's read Genesis chapter 32, uh, beginning at verse uh, 22. The same night he arose, this is Jacob, and, and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had, that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that's on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Lord, we ask that you would touch our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, transform our lives. We want to walk out of this men's breakfast different as men of God because of the, just the result of us being here together. So help us in that, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, my wife Shannon and I watched a documentary of a, a 2011 documentary movie on uh, uh, mixed martial arts entitled Fightville. And one of the things that kind of stood out to me um, in the documentary, it was, a, it was an excellent documentary. It just kind of chronicled just up-and-coming uh, fighters that work, in, work out in a uh, mixed martial arts gym. Uh, one of the things that they said in there uh, is that the, 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 the head... Uh, a teacher of the guys, his name's Tim Kreider, he said, it's not acceptable to try to survive. You must be fighting to win. You must be fighting to finish. And he said, because once you give up, he's talking about in the octagon, once you give up, the next five or six punches are going to put you in the hospital. You can never give up. Tim Kreider said, you must fight until you can't physically fight anymore or until you win. And then he was talking there about individuals who are in a, an intense uh, uh, wrestling match tied in. And, and when a guy in the midst of a fight just kind of caves in his will and, 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 uh, and gives up, the fight quickly comes to an end and actually referees have to come in and stop it because that guy who's given up, he's going to get the worst beat down in the moments following his will being broken. And so he's saying, don't ever give up. Whatever you do, even if you lose the fight, don't give up. Um, but, but he's saying that you need to go into a fight and you need to be thinking, I'm going to fight to the finish. And, and, and that, that imagery really affected um, us as we, we meditated on that. Um, brothers, given the enemies, given uh, Satan, the world, our own sinful flesh remaining in dwelling sin, there is a need to engage in wrestling prayer and clinging faith. Um, 
Jacob, in the context of this passage, is under threat of his brother Esau. He's really dealing with fear earlier in the chapter, in, in, in chapter 32. It actually talks about, in verse 7, that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And uh, this is the context Jacob finds himself in here. And uh, it's so interesting that in the midst of him being greatly distressed and in fear, that God comes and encounters him and, and takes initiative to actually lay hold of him. Um, I read this quote by Julius Caesar. He said that it's easier to find men who will volunteer to die than to find those who are willing to endure pain with patience. And uh, that really affected me. Um, and it, it called to mind a, a poem that uh, that uh, uh, a man named Dave Harvey, a uh, good friend, uh, really was moved by. And he shared it with a, a men's meeting back when I was in my early 20s. And I want to just let you listen to this poem by an anonymous man. And it's entitled, When God Wants to Drill a Man. And so you can look up When God Wants to Drill a Man in Google and you'll get this poem. And guys, <laughs> print it out, put it on your fridge, take it to work with you. Because this is like the work of the Lord at every Christian man. And I, I, I'm affected by it and I, I, just, I was moved by it thinking about this morning with all of us. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man. When God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, the gospel. When he yearns with all of his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed. Watch his methods. Watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him. And with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands. How he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes. How he uses whom he chooses and which every purpose fuses him. By every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. I love that poem. When God wants to drill a man. You get a sense of that here with the Lord coming and meeting Jacob in the midst of this time where he's already afraid of his brother and he's greatly distressed. You look, um, he, he comes here in verse 22, says the same night he arose and he, he, he was crossing over in, in fear. He was sending everybody ahead and he was, he was kind of coming behind to make sure he was the last one, which is, it was, which was good. And he's crossing the ford of this river called the Jabbok. And it, this ends up becoming a milestone moment in, in, in Jacob's life. And, and he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had. And it says, and Jacob was left alone. Um, just an insight here. Left alone. Jacob must encounter God alone without possessions or without protection. He's there. And that's when God meets him. Everything else crosses over and he's there by himself. And that's when the Lord comes. And we see a personal God here, brothers, who deals with Jacob as he deals with each one of us. And that's one-on-one -on -one as men. Um, this, this sense here of, in verse 24, of a man comes. It, it heightens the tension of the story. It's, it's very intimate and it's terrifying, one commentary said. And, and it, Jacob was greatly distressed, but when this happened, it, it was like it made that look like nothing. Esau looked like nothing when this man came in the dark and laid hold of him. This God man that we find out later in the text. 
uh, and 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 he he wrestles with him. The phrase "wrestle with him" is that the Lord unexpectedly unexpectedly initiates a match with Jacob and, and lays hold of him and wrestles with him. It, one of the amazing thing here in terms of the identity of this man, because we, we learn later on that he actually says when he gets clarity, I've seen God face to face. Um, in Hosea chapter 12, verse 3 and 4, it, it, the word of God actually recalls this story. And it says, in the womb, Jacob took his brother by the heel. So this is his name laying hold of the heel, supplanter. It was actually a deceiver, supplanter, cunning. Kind of more talks about an act of the flesh that Jacob was marked in that way before the Lord touched him. And in his maturity, Jacob, he contended with God. And so it says, yes, verse 4, Hosea 12, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor he found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. And, and who's the identity of this angel? Verse 5, and here it is again. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. So the angel, the Lord is his name. This is the identity of this God-man, this angel of the covenant, this, this uh, God taking on the form of a man and laying hold of Jacob. Um, this is talking about the angel of the Lord. Brothers, I believe this is talking about a pre-incarnate encounter with the pre-incarnate Christ. And uh, I'm, I'm really affected every time I'm running into this again and again and again in the Old Testament. So uh, the pre-incarnate Christ, I believe, wrestled with Jacob. And, you know, I, I think we, we might want to live our lives as brothers just in ease and comfort. And just, and just live chill. But God will disrupt our plans to cross over the rivers of life in ease. He does not wait for us to come to him all the time. He will come and lay hold of us. And he comes to Jacob at night. He comes to him in the dark, in the midst of his trial. And he's going to come to us at night in the midst of our own as well, brothers. Um, one commentary said that God's presence does not mean ease of conflict. In fact, it often brings unexpected difficulties and struggle. There's contention here. There's struggle. Um, and uh, another Christian writes, there's a mystery about God's presence that defies human understanding. Jacob cannot see God nor know his name in order to control the situation. He tries to get the name and, and, and he's trying to get control, but there's no taking control of this, this man that comes and wrestles with, wrestles with him, this God man. Um, so th there's mystery here. And, and I, I was meditating on this. I thought, brothers, God will not fit in our boxes that we try to put him in to try to control him with our lives. Um, God laid hold of him and he lays hold of you and he lays hold of me. And there's just things that we just don't understand about his ways and how he he comes and uh, works in a man and drills a man and thrills a man and and overwhelms him and hammers him and hurts him and and molds them in the trial shapes of clay, which only God understands. And, and that work is something that God does differently and distinct in every man individually. Your life story has, has, has mapped onto this. And many of you can testify to us to that. God will lay hold of you and wrestle with you long. The, 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 the text says that it was until daybreak. This was like an all night wrestling match. I, my brother-in-law, Joel, wrestled, was a really good wrestler in high school and into college. And uh, Andy Stever, 
actually pushing for the Olympic team back in the day, and uh, and and his son Ethan. I got to watch him in a in a wrestling match last year. Ethan actually won uh, districts, and I went to watch that match when he was part of our youth ministry. And when he got done his three rounds of wrestling, and Ethan was you know young man, seventeen, eighteen years old at the height of his strength. When he got done three two minute intervals. He was so exhausted, and he won, I think, the match one to nothing, um, or two to nothing. There was no pin. It was just an exhausting wrestling, um, and I was so proud of him and his perseverance. But he was exhausted wrestling, and, and wrestling until the break of day. There, there's great intensity, long struggle. And, and here, brothers, this symbolizes really the long struggle that God will send us in. As men of God, he will wrestle with you long and he will wrestle with you at his appointed time and his appointed place in your life. And it forces us as men to engage him. Um, Jacob could not overpower. God could not overpower Jacob. This is such an interesting dynamic here because God's omnipotent. And so what we see here is God um, humbling himself. God's come to Jacob on some type of even terms. I mean, the Lord could have just crushed him. Um, but but the Lord just engages him on equal terms. And this shows the, the condescension and the humility of Christ prior to his incarnation and the will of God to come and lay hold of us and draw close to us um, and even allow us to meet him on some type of equal terms in a way that we understand. And, and Jacob, he's commended for this. He displays incredible strength. And he goes all night wrestling to the point of daybreak with the angel of the Lord. And, and uh, this is, this is a, a posture that's really commended here. You don't see some type of sinful defiance here, um, but the Lord actually commends Jacob for this. And then in verse 25, um, we see that the word of God says that, that, that Jacob, it says the Lord touched his hip socket. This this mere touch of the divine, it, it conquers Jacob. Um, and, and this his hip, if you've ever engaged in wrestling um, and or, or played basketball, you, you realize that, that when you're cutting and if you're, you're wrestling, you need to pivot. Your hip is vital. So touching the hip was like touching the core of, of his wrestling strength. And at that point, Jacob's natural strength just shriveled. But what's so awesome about this passage, and I want to commend this posture of heart because this is all of our story, Jacob must continue to prayerfully, brothers, cling to Christ even after God injures him. 26, the angel says, let me go. And, and, and Jacob says, I, I won't let you go until you bless me. Now, he, he's already been injured, and he's, he's, he's saying, I'm not going to let go. So he's got no pivot wrestle strength anymore. He's, he's physically broken, but he will not give up. And, and when, when we are injured while wrestling with God, brothers, and even though we're utterly broken and our ability to pivot and go on the offensive, so to speak, is it, kind of broken Still may we cling to Christ in the dark. And we discover, if we do, that God has been here all that time for our good. 
not to harm us, but as Joseph says later in 50, what man means for evil, God means for good. Jacob says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And again, Jacob prevails. He prevails with prayer. He doesn't prevail with, prevail with natural strength. And this is the change. This is the great change of Jacob to a new name. Israel. Bless me, Jacob says. And Jacob realizes that the one wrestling with him is greater than him. And later on he recognizes that, man, I met with God face to face. The pre-incarnate Christ, the angel of the Lord. Verse 27, the, the, um, the question, what is your name? This question forces Jacob to own up before God to his devious past. So when he said, my name's Jacob in that verse, he's essentially saying, my name's Supplanter. I mean, how would you like to have that as your name? It, it actually is talking about the, the, who he was by nature. He's a sinner, just like we are, as, as Alex was saying um, earlier. But what God does here is he says this, your name will no longer be Jacob. It shall no more be said, is another translation of this phrase, Jacob, you, you, that's not going to be your name anymore. It indicates not just a mere name change, this is a spiritual metamorphosis of his life where, and, and he read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, but one of my favorite verses, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Name that man. He's new. He's, he's, he's born again. The old is gone. The new has come. There's something that takes place here. And in the history of Israel, the reason why this is every man's story, because this isn't about just Jacob personally. He's named Israel. And we've got to understand in Galatians, we're actually described as the Israel of God. God's new covenant people are called the Israel of God. This is our name. This isn't just Jacob's name personally. This is our name, every one of us as true sons of God, united together with Christ by faith. So Israel moves from supplanter, and God gives him this noble name, prevailer. I love it. And this renaming marks a change of direction for the individual, signifying the repentance that takes place, the change of direction that must take place, brothers, for us to break away from our old lives and to live and follow Christ. Before Jacob prevailed over men by trickery, symbolized even in his mother's womb by laying hold of his brother's heel to get the better of him. Now he prevails with God. He strived against men. Now he's striving with God. And he prevails. Uh, Matthew Henry writes, nothing requires more vigor and unceasing exertion in wrestling. This is an emblem of the true spirit of faith and prayer. Jacob kept his ground. Though the struggle continued long, this did not shake his faith, nor silence his prayer. He will have a blessing and have, and, and had rather have all his bone put out of joint than to go away without one. Those who would have the blessing of Christ must resolve to take no denial. The fervent prayer, James 5, is the effectual prayer. Remember, Elijah was made just like us. The fervent prayer is the effectual prayer. The angel puts a lasting mark of honor upon him by changing his name. And Jacob signifies supplanter, but henceforth he shall be celebrated, not for craft and artful management, but true valor.
Every true Christian man is a man of true valor because they struggle and they overcome. They cling to the God of Israel and they overcome, one Christian said, in the face of insurmountable odds. And when I read that phrase, clinging to Christ in the face of insurmountable odds, I I thought of all of you and I thought of me. There are men in this room who have clung to Christ and who are clinging to Christ right now in the midst of such perplexing life circumstances that many another individual walked away from Christ never to return over in the past. There are men who are standing firm, clinging to Christ, clinging to him in the long, dark night, and saying, I'm not going to let go of you. Even though, Lord, you've ordained for my wife to get cancer. And this is the end of my world as I know it. And yet, I'm not going to let go. I don't, I don't, whether you slay me, yet will I trust in you. It, this, this is not going to break my will and my resolve. I'm going to hold on even after I can't even move anymore. That type of man is the kind of men God is making us into, brothers. And he asks, what is your name? And the man doesn't give his name. We do get insight into the name a little bit later on in Judges chapter 13 when Manoah asks him his name. And he says, why do you ask me my name, seeing that it's wonderful? My name is wonderful. It's beyond understanding. It's incomprehensible. It's secret, the angel of the Lord says. I mean, you just get the chills down your back thinking about this with the angel blessing Jacob and changing his name and and yet not giving him his own. It's the authority of Christ to name us and change us like he has this uh, monument of Peniel, this he met with God face to face and yet he was not destroyed. So brothers and sisters and brothers, this ambition of Jacob's that was once very ignoble is harnessed into humble prayer. Listen to this quote. To be sure, prior to the encounter with the God-man, he prays to God on the basis of God's promises, but he does not yet prevail because he's not yet been humbled. So we've got to be humbled in order to prevail. And mark all of us, guys. I mean, we, God has a plan to humble us, and that's a good plan. Um, only when Jacob is broken does he prevail with God and with man. In the wrestling match initiated by God, he loses his physical strength and prevails only through prayer. And the God-man credits Jacob with his perseverance of faith. Jacob didn't quit even when his strength was gone. And when broken in severe mercy, he persevered in prayer. The Roman Quintilius said that ambition is a vice, but it can become the mother of virtue. And it became a virtue in Jacob when God breaks his hip and he's left clinging to God, realizing the blessing. If Abraham is a study in faith, Jacob is a study in spiritual strength through prayer. Yep. So yeah, I don't know. I'll get you off track, but um, the whole time you're preaching, this something came to mind. If I could step up to the mic, the oxy mic. Like, um, how do you think that this verse? Because as you're, the, I've never put these two together, but this whole—I've often wondered about this verse when, 
what Jesus said from the days of this is Matthew um, chapter 11 verses 12 from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence you know I think it, violent, take it by force. I was exactly going to reference that later Paul yeah it connects yeah it's exactly and that's why it's every Christian man's story Paul it's a great a great cross-reference scripture I think that the, the idea that we can just kind of be men who are Christians and just kind of cruise through an easy believism and just sort of uh, live our lives just kind of like, you know, yeah, I got Jesus, I got hell insurance, and I'm good now. And you may try to do that. If you're a true child of God, God's going to lay hold of you. He's going to break that. that. He's not going to let you get that world. Um, and, and you may think, I'm going to try to sequester and kind of, but, but exactly, Paul, there's a, there's a violence of men of God to lay and take hold of Christ by force. Um, and I think that, that's a great connection, Paul. The, uh, the type of moxie and, 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 and personality quality in us, grace, that, that the Holy Spirit produces in us to hold on to Christ and never let him go. And, and I think that's the type of grace that when unbelievers see us, holding on to Christ even in the midst of insurmountable odds and, and crushing trial. It's, you know, you're in the hospital room and you're laying hold with a violence. I, I'm not going to let go of you. Um, and and the, the violent men take it by force. I think there's a real connection there. And I was actually listening to a, a Paul Washer sermon on that, Paul, a little while back, and he was actually connecting that same dot, and, and I was really moved by that connection. But, bro, excellent insight, and I'm so glad you shared it. Um, yeah, he actually says here that the man who was once prayerless, talking of Jacob, and caused so much trouble and sorrow, is now transformed as he commits himself to God in prayer. Um, this passage is so amazing because it highlights how Jacob wrestles with God. And what is commended here is the determination. There's another good word that should mark every one of us as men. And the proclamation, I'm not going to let go unless you bless me. God desires for us to strive with him, to, to vigorously lay hold. This contend is a strong word. It, it, it matches on to what Paul was just talking about. And the violent men taking it by force. Um, or, Christian men are not to be kind of just these passive men that are just, you know, uh, spiritual wimps, if you will. That just like, you know, it has to all come to me or I'm not. No, we, we take it. We, we go after it. We lay hold of Christ as he lays hold of us. And we, there's a vigorous determination. And you look in Revelation and, and the, what we're called in the book of Revelation, it says, to the one who overcomes. We're overcomers. We're prevailers. We're not passive, but we are, we seek, we strive after, we wrestle, we prevail, we don't give up, we, we struggle, we fight the good fight of the faith and we go on fighting. And that is what striven means in the Hebrew. This, I've striven with God and with men. So striving with God, struggling on, persisting and holding on to Him and pleading with Him, even in the midst of pain, brothers exerting oneself, persevering, contending. May these words mark our walk with God and, and also uh, a, a spiritual God-glorifying violence, a, a laying hold of, it maps on Romans 8.13, kill your sin, wrestle with yourself and wrestle with God and, and watch God move in power. There's there's such a, the, an earnestness here that, that you see in, in Jacob. So, God is a God who blesses men who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's like, you know, I, I could, you know, whether I get food at the men's breakfast or not, I, 
I'm here for a purpose. I'm here with a mission. I'm hungering and thirsting after you, Lord. I, I, I want more of you. And listen, if that's not there in your soul, listen, I brothers, I struggle with that as well. Listen, then let's get on our knees and pray and fast and cry for that type of anointing upon us so that we would be men of God that, that live our lives in a manner worthy of him. He blesses entering the kingdom with passion, exerting spiritual violence and warfare to gain him. That I might gain Christ, you see, this the Apostle Paul crying out over and over again, even when the voices tell us to stop like they did with blind Bartimaeus and the men by the roadside. Listen, yo, calm down here. Jesus has got to get past you and we're going somewhere else. And he said, Lord, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Or like the woman with the issue of the blood who, who goes down, she's dead, crawling down on her hands and knees. And I, I got to get a hold of his garment. And, and, and her faith heals. It, it, it's, it's all connected. It's this type of exertion, this type of determination of, that will not be denied. That, that God wants out of us. He, he wants this out of our lives. So, brothers, may all of us be marked by this determination in ever-increasing measure. I pray that as we move on, as we get older into our 80s and 90s, and, and as long as God gives us to run into our hundreds, like, like, like Jacob to really lay hold of the Lord and not let go, to grow in our passion for him as the years go by and not allow our passion for Christ, our clinging to Christ in faith to dwindle through the years. Uh, the name of the people of God, and this is important, it's not ultimately about the fact that we strive, but that our God strives. Um, the, the Father's determination to save Loving the world so much that he sent his only son. Jesus, the son's determination that resolutely setting his heart like a flint toward Jerusalem. And like, no matter what, I'm going to overcome. And I'm going to go through Gethsemane. I'm going to sweat drops of blood and resist temptation to the point of shedding blood for you and me who didn't resist temptation and sin. Jesus resolutely set his heart and his mind and his eyes toward the cross for the joy set before him. He knew he was going to be bringing many sons, including you all, to glory through it. And he didn't think of himself, but he laid his life down. That type of determination, that striving, that contending, we're saved here because of his striving. Jesus, the son's determination, overcoming the garden of Gethsemane and prevailing prayer. And through the agony of the cross, never letting go of God, crushing the devil and saving his people. The Holy Spirit's relentless pursuit of you, convicting you and I, and hunting us down again and again and again as we stumbled and faltered. Haven't you not seen the determination of the Holy Spirit, brothers, coming after you and I again and again and again? Thank God that it's not about our striving, but that God strives. And that's actually the, the word Israel ultimately is, is God strives. Truly, and we've been blessed by him eternally because he persevered all the way to the end for us on the cross and cried out, it is finished. So may each of us lay hold of him now with fresh intensity and not let go until we prevail and make it to heaven to be with him forever, brothers. Maybe a few applications. I believe the Lord's calling us to be men who wrestle with God in great strength. Men who cling to Christ 
even when broken in the darkness, you get the crushing news that you never thought were going to hit your ears. We're not men who, who, who mope and fade and, and become bitter and, and it just, you know what? You know, God, I'll follow you as long as you sun, shine the sun down on me. You give me a cloudy day and a rainy season. You come and come at me at night like this and you know what? I'm done. That's not a true son of God. We're in this with Jesus no matter what. So when we sing that song, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose, it may just in fact be that he breaks me and he breaks you. And it's like, Lord, blessed be your name. No matter what, I'm going to be a prevailer, an overcomer. I'm going to vigorously engage with God for blessing over myriads of issues. Let's start first with our own personal lives. Uh, Brothers, there's dogged sin battles in all of our lives. Maybe like Jacob, you wrestle just with fears and great distresses constantly. Financial future fears, uh, health fears. We're not the type of men that just kind of, we, we always like, I don't, I don't want to talk about that stuff. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to face it. I don't want death, whatever it is. We're men that stare it back down in prayer. And we wrestle and we prevail over that fear. That's who we are. We don't shrink back and are destroyed. But we are men who rise up and we engage our fears. We, we, we wrestle and go to war against our lusts and our sinful passions. And, and, and we don't stop. The, the, the tendencies to speak harshly and impatiently with our wives. That's like a, that's a serious sin in the heart of a man of God. And, and just, no, no, no. God, this is intolerable in me. And God, that disposition in me, you know what? I want to be a husband worthy of you. I want to be a husband worthy of her. I want to be a man after your own heart everywhere in my life. From the bedroom, throughout my whole house, everywhere else, I want to be a man that's a blessing to her, a husband worthy of her. I want to never have it said of me, husbands, Love your wife and do not be harsh with her. Don't be harsh with her. That your prayers may not be hindered. Oh. <laughs> All right, I got some repenting to do. And I, and I need to repent to God. And then I need to go to her humble myself too. With my pride. And I need to pray and beat my pride down. I need to pray and, 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 and engage my fears to the point where I'm no longer walking in fear of anything. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. There's a, there's an engaging. And when we feel beat down and discouraged and depressed, we don't just let Satan continue to beat us up. We, we get up like the Lord said to Joshua on the day of battle after the, the men of God fell and stumbled. He just says that Joshua, when Joshua comes before him, like, oh Lord, why has this happened? God just says, get up. Get up. We're the type of men who get knocked down seven times and we get back up again. And, and we get up with faltering knees, trembling hands. And it's not about arrogant spiritual strength. This is about the power of the Holy Spirit in us getting up trembling, but we're up again. And we're not knocked down for six months. And, and, and you know, where did that guy go? He's not at church anymore. Why? Well, something didn't go his way. And uh, 
No, we, we engage, we fight, we, we deal with ourselves, we, we deal with God, we deal with men. We're men of courage, we're prevailers, we're, we're overcomers. Um, so we vigorously engage. Um, we're not satisfied with our current relationship with Christ, but man, we're pressing in like gospel beasts into the Bible reading plan or, or Galatians or whatever plan God's got you going. And you're going for it because you want to be used of the Lord and, and for the purposes of God to be served in your generation. So let us fast and pray for God to bless us in these personal battles. Let us fast and pray for our wives, brothers. Let her get the very best of us and, and let her get the very best of what we can give her by way of encouragement. And let's not stop pressing toward God, even though there's disappointing and frustrating dynamics and soul-crushing dynamics even with our wives. Let's keep pressing in. Let's love them as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And let us be examples to the other men in the church and to the young men coming up of what it means to be a real man. We're men who prevail. We don't sulk. We don't corner and cower in self-pity. We rise up. And when things aren't right, we take the lead to make them right. We're, we're servant leaders. We we press in and we love them tenderly. And we, and we, we help them. And we care for them. And we don't domineer over them in harshness. And we also aren't passive little doormats letting our wife... Do all the leading in the house. We we servant lead and we, we we bring her in every decision. And we're not independently arrogant, but we, we bring her in and we love her and show her and empower her her opinion. And we, we help her to be the woman of God that she is. We're not afraid of her strength, but we allow her to rise up. We look out for her walk with God. Make sure she's getting time with God and isn't getting consumed with the kids and the grandkids. And we, we look out for her. We We care for her. Fast and pray for the souls of your kids, for the souls of your grandkids. Fast and pray for brothers and sisters in the church. Fast and pray for the lost sinners around your life that they might be saved. The guys at work, there's nobody else going to tell them about Jesus. And you know what? I know how, how embattled we can be trying to press in. But you know what? Let us engage, contend, and fight God. Give me courage. Don't let this guy go to hell on my watch just simply because I'm too much of a coward to step up and evangelize the guy. I mean, come on. I need to, CB, step up. Who cares if the guy thinks you're a Jesus freak? What do you care more about? The opinion of man or his soul before God? Listen, you'll be his best friend, brothers. You'll be his best friend on the day of judgment that you rose up, you prevailed in prayer, you overcame your fears and your desire not to be labeled in a certain way. And you rose up and you said, you know, God, I, I don't care about man's opinion. I care about yours. I care about this guy's soul. And uh, that type of spirit, brother. So let's, let's pray for this type of zeal, wrestle with God, to cling to Christ. <coughs> the circumstances and the long-standing painful dynamics that just don't make sense to you in your life. Wrestle all night long. There may be things in our lives that are never the same again. Jacob, Israel remembered this whole issue with the hip for the rest of uh, their history. They wouldn't eat the, the, the hip because they wanted to remember how God dealt with Jacob and the battle he had. And he walked away from that Jabbok with a limp, but he was all the better for it. And God's going to make sure that at times we walk with a limp. But we're going to be men who fight, fight, fight and never give up. 
brothers, there's battles behind us, and there's battles yet ahead of us as men. There's been sufferings that have been endured, but there's suffering and tasks and duties in front of us yet, men of Christ's community, that are yet to be undertaken. There's so much of our life that's out of our control, but nothing is outside of God's control. And isn't it wonderful that God's given us prayer, brothers, to lay hold of them with and to be laid hold of by him and at times be even injured by his hands and yet know that he only hurts us for our good. So I want you to know, I look out upon you guys and I see men that I'm so proud of, prevailers, overcomers, men who've had life circumstances break their hearts and yet still refuse to let go of clinging to Christ. Men who've been deeply scarred by life's pains and yet don't stop pressing toward God. I'm so proud of you, men. Men who even in the midst of many wrestlings and prayer have not yet seen the breakthroughs they long for, and yet that doesn't stop them. They have that Job-like determination, that Jacob-like determination. I'm not going to let go unless you bless me. Men who say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Men who come to church when they're beaten up and broken down and life's crushing them just as much as when they feel like they're on top. I see men here in our church with unfinished business for Jesus. I see embattled men who refuse to be taken off the front line. That's why I'm proud to serve with you. I see men with a bright eternal future. I see men that are prevailers and overcomers. And that's who every true Christian man is to a man. And that's who you are. God's laid hold of you. He's laid, and you have laid hold of him. And you continue to. To cling to Christ in faith even after wrestling with him all night in the dark. And God is the one who entered us onto the battlefield. He's going to sustain us on the battlefield. And he's going to carry us in Christ's arms off the battlefield when we breathe our last. So let us pray. Let us give everything we have for this fight. We only go around once. We get one shot at this. Let's engage in the warfare. Let us be the faithful warriors God's calling us to be, the band of brothers in the trenches we're supposed to be, and let's prevail. Let's prevail individually and let's prevail together. Revival can come to our church with just men like us in this room rising up this morning. God doesn't need to do it with many. He can save mightily through the 300 alert men of Gideon than with the massive numbers of the army. There's a movie by, uh, it's on Winston Churchill that I, me and Shannon just watched. It commended to you guys. It's called The Darkest Hour. Um, at the end of the movie, one of Churchill's most famous speeches was, uh, Germany just conquered all of Europe, conquered France. Dunkirk just happened. They were evacuating the men from Dunkirk as the speech was happening. And England was terrified of invasion. And, uh, they were actually, tempted to take terms from Germany and from Hitler to actually like surrender and appease him and and just kind of not fight at all but just to kind of admit defeat and Churchill said this to the nation and roused them all Churchill said we shall go on to the end we shall fight in France we shall fight on the seas and the oceans we shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. 
We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. His daughter was older. I read this in his biography, The Last Lion, which I'd also commend to you. Vacation reading. Uh, his older daughter was scared, scared that a German soldier was going to come into the house and she wouldn't know what to do. And she, she said, Dad, what, what am I to do? And, uh, and Churchill said to his daughter in the kitchen, there's a kitchen knife right behind you. Um, and and that, that's the type of spirit that he had in his, to the nation, to the home. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the V for victory sign that he constantly held up that inspired England to endure, that eventually lasted long enough for the United States to come over and get a foothold from which to launch D-Day and to turn back the tide together as allies and crush the evil of Nazism and Hitler Germany. Perseverance, determination, that's nothing compared to the spiritual battles Christians face. That's just temporary warfare. What we're engaged in is spiritual warfare. And so, brothers, this is serious stuff. Um, and I believe God wants to just ask this question right now to all of us. What targeted, specific prayer request does God want you to lift up to him and wrestle with him over right now in your life? I, I, I phrased it exactly the way I phrased it for a reason. What targeted, specific prayer request does God want you to lift up to him and wrestle with him over right now and say, God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I think the Lord will be greatly glorified through us spending all night in prayer over it. And if the Lord doesn't answer us in the short term, we're just going to continue to lay hold of him and not let go. If God changes the dynamic... We'll rejoice if God doesn't change it and we don't get the full reconciliation toward heaven. It's not going to set us off. We're going to fight. We're going to engage. We're going to prevail. So this is every Christian man's story. Prevailer. Overcomer. Clinging to Christ in the dark. Men of Christ Community Church. That's our call. May God help us by his grace to do so. Let's, let's close in prayer. God, I just thank you for these men. Lord, I pray, I pray for all of us. We we have battles that we are facing in our, in our lives, our individual lives, our church. Lord, I, I just pray that you would empower us, Holy Spirit, as men, to, to run our race. Empower us, Lord God. We are we are fighters. That's who we are. We're men that are going to strive with you and strive with God and man and will overcome. God, would you please help us to know that with you, we can face everything that faces us. There's nothing up ahead that you and me can't handle together. It's going to be beyond me, but not beyond you. And... Help us, Lord, to glorify you. Help us for the sake of our children and our children's children 
they might be able to say, my father, my grandfather never gave up. Persevere. Clung to Christ. Not just in the easy times, but in the hard times as well. Thank you so much, God, that our story, we're Christians here, not because of our determination, but because of yours. We would have been forever lost if it hasn't been for your determination, your perseverance. Thank you for coming and laying hold of us, even if sometimes we don't even want to. We just want to get across the river in peace. Thank you for laying a hold of us. It forces us to wrestle with you. It forces us to cling to you in the dark. And God, it brings down untold blessing because you blow up our world of wanting ease and comfort. You won't let us have it because you care more about our souls in you. And I thank you so much, God, for that. Strengthen us as we walk out from this room today. Help us to be better Christians, husbands, fathers for your glory. I pray that, God. Let it be tangible change. Let our wives feel it immediately. Help us to repent to them of ways we've let them down and we've hurt them. And help us not to be excuse makers, but men who own up to what we've done and ways we've fallen short and, and confess and repent and forsake our sins and, and lay hold of you with fresh hunger and thirst for righteousness and that we might be satisfied. Help us to say, Lord, <laughs> there's nothing else that matters but you. I love you. I just ask you to help us with this, Lord. And we thank you for the way you've touched our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for your patience. And so it's 9.50. I got to stay out here 10 minutes before the time. So thank you guys for your love for the Word of God. And thank you guys for being the overcomers that you are. I was really... So thankful for you as I was praying for you guys last night. I was like, man, what a great group of men. Don't we have a great group of guys in our church? I love our church. And men and women of God are awesome in our church. So I'm excited for the next generation too. So love you guys. Have a great rest of your day. I'll be sticking around up here to talk if any of you want to talk further. Paul, thanks for that insight, by the way, from the Gospels. It was outstanding.